Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. In these days of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're disseminating as much high-quality, evidence-based information and expert opinion about the situation as we can in our special bonus COVID-19 episodes. Meanwhile, we still want to support you in your nursing career development, so please enjoy this interview recorded prior to this global emergency. Be well, stay safe, and many blessings on you, your loved ones, your colleagues, your communities, and everyone on this troubled yet beautiful planet of ours. Should you leave nursing or should you stay? Let's talk all about it with nurse, author, and organizational psychologist Karen Wade right here on episode 270 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hello, welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. I love having you along for this ride. Whether you're new to the show or you've been on the journey with me for months or years, as always, I thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career and your life, and I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, technology, and beyond. And did you know that Nurse Keith Coaching is your one-stop shop for all things related to your career. That's right. I offer individualized, holistic career coaching for nurses and healthcare professionals around the world. And if you mention you're a listener, you'll get 10% off your first coaching package. Email me today at keith at nursekeith.com and we'll schedule a complimentary consult to explore how coaching can help you have the most satisfying life and career possible. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, which I always recommend, and you should be used to that by now, you can follow along at nurse keith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 270. We are on the march to episode 300. Just another note about this interview, folks. This was indeed recorded before COVID-19 hit us so hard. My guest, Nurse Karen Wade, was at that time planning to travel to 12 countries in 12 months, interviewing nurses around the world in honor of the International Year of the Nurse and Midwife. Obviously, those plans had to change. Instead, she's now focusing her efforts on supporting nurses throughout the pandemic at nurse2network.com and on Instagram at Dr. Karen Wade. Enjoy. Today, we are welcoming friend of the pod, Karen Wade, an author, nurse, and organizational psychologist. And Karen, we'll get to your bio in due course, but we're going to jump right in and talk about how you originally got into nursing. How did that happen? Oh, gosh, that was a long time ago. (laughs) So let me think back. Uh, Actually, I think it was uh, when I was like around 20 or something like that, I um, went to a conference with my church. And it was a a course on missions, you know, international missions. And I remember being very inspired about being a missionary in a kind of some type of exotic country, something that was exotic to me anyway. And I thought that a way that I could fulfill that would be to become a nurse. Good idea. So did it work? (laughs) Well, it, I, I did become, I did become a nurse. I did eventually, I did do missionary work um, in Mexico and uh, was there for a while learning Spanish. And that has served me well over the years because I've had an opportunity to work in Spanish speaking countries so yes, it was a it was a 
a good intersection between my personal passions and my interest in culture, um, as well as being able to be of service in healthcare. So I'm very pleased that my career began that way. That's wonderful. Now, you know, your new book, which we want to talk about at length here, is called Should I Leave Nursing? Seven Steps to Career Clarity. So um, (laughs) I think any nurse listening probably at one point or another may have thought to themselves, should I leave nursing? And I think some probably think it once or twice throughout every shift that they work or many shifts that they work because they think, can I keep doing this? So, um, boy, seven steps to clear career clarity and should I leave nursing? Should I leave nursing as a provocative title? So where did that title come from? Why do you ask that question in the title of your book? Should I leave nursing? Well, just as you said, every, uh, because I know that every nurse has at some point asked that question. It's just such a demanding career and it, it, it asks so much of you. And um, sometimes there are periods of time when there seem to be more uh, negatives than positives. And um, it's a very, it's a very stressful job. Uh, something like, it, as I was doing my research for this book, 66% of nurses say that their job negatively impacts their health. So at some point in time, people are asking themselves, you know, is this worth it for me? And uh, most of most of us stay, right? But um, but but some of us are just. It's it's almost like, should I leave nursing? It's more like, am I doing right by myself by by doing this job? You know, is is am I being fair to myself? Am I being fair to my family? Am I being fair to my health? Um, is is all kind of embedded in that? Should I leave nursing? There are many sub particles, subparts, so to speak, into that overall question, I believe. Yeah, that makes total sense. And what do you see from your vantage point in Ventura, California? (laughs) What do you see happening in nursing that inspired you to write this? What are the things you're hearing, seeing, feeling, sensing, Uh perceiving Uh that's going on out there in the world? Well, I think what's given me insight into this is that I've spent the last five years primarily as a travel nurse. And I've been able to work in big cities and small towns and clinics, um, in hospitals. And I've just, you know, in the process of getting to know my colleagues in each of these places and just listening to their conversations, a lot, there's a lot that's just the same. Everybody, everybody thinks that their particular hospital, their particular place is just very unique. But, and in a sense, it's every place is a little bit unique, but it's also a whole lot the same in terms of how people are experiencing their career and the pressures in nursing. So I just met a lot of nurses who seem to be, unfortunately, very unhappy um, or having questions about questions about the balance in their life. And is this the right, am I, um, as much as I'm putting in into this, this profession that I feel very passionate about, um, is there enough kind of coming back to me to sustain my health and to sustain my happiness, to sustain my relationships? I just have heard a lot of nurses, if they haven't overtly out loud said, should I leave nursing? I hear that question hanging in the air as they are talking about all kinds of different things about their career. 
and their life. Yeah, exactly. Hanging in the air Mm -hmm. is right. It's sort of like sometimes this unspoken question, I think, between certain nurses. And how are these experiences in your career connected to the topic of why I should leave nursing or should I leave nursing? And, you know, I'm wondering between your nursing experience and now this PhD in organizational psychology, what do you take away that's happening on the bigger scale, like the, the, either the institutional or even we could say the industry scale in terms of what's going on out there? What are you seeing? What are the trends that might be pushing nurses towards, oh my gosh, maybe I need to go become a barista? Right. <laughs> or a masseuse or something like that. Or a masseuse, right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think everywhere it's just the the nursing shortage is becoming more and more critical and mm-hmm. and which means that nurses are being asked to work more and more hours uh, which and and they at some places there's even mandatory overtime you can't leave if there's no one to replace you that's true uh, which uh, nobody likes that but in particular I think for for people who are parents and they are you know, their childcare situation is very, it works, but it's fragile. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you can't, you find out you can't go home. Um, it's created a, a very incredible level of, of distress um, that, that feels very bad and people feel very vulnerable. So I, I think that it's a lot about um, all the overtime people are doing. Um, it's a, it's a lot about people's sense of their health and their their lack of balance in life mm-hmm. it's the um even when they're even when you might have a day when there's good staffing the the budgetary influences now are such that they might even send people home uh so that you're back down to bad staffing there i think and as i was because i finished i actually retired so to speak from uh being a, a bedside nurse um in september of 2019. Congratulations. Well, thank you. And um, I think what did it for me was just the realization that almost every shift I was experiencing was so demanding and I just was going home so exhausted um, all the time. And there was like never any let up. It, mm-hmm. and in, you know, in the past, you'd have these really intense days and then you have some days that were kind of easier or lighter and it seemed to balance out, but it, it got to the point where it was just constantly, um, you know, just running your tail off every day and hoping right. you could get everything done. And then on top of that, even if you, you know, if you're running your tail off every single second and, um, management because of their cost consciousness, you know, they don't want you to work overtime. So, you know, what are you supposed to do? You, you want me to go home and not do my work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you actually telling me you, um, I can't go home, but you're not going to pay me, yeah. you know, that, that kind of thing. And so, I can picture someone listening yeah. right now, nodding like to every single <laughs> thing you're saying, saying, yep, check that box, check that box, check that box. Right. And I check that one. So, you know, when it comes to your book filtered through organizational psychology and all of your positive psychology and all the things you've studied throughout the years, values and everything else that I have so many notes from your book. What are the seven steps or what are the, can you just enumerate the seven in, right in a row to give us a sense of what those steps might be? 
Right. Well, I think I begin the, the first step is just doing a, doing a self-assessment. And there are some um, okay. exercises and some surveys I have people take um, to get a sense of where are they in their work-life balance. And mm-hmm. um, Yeah, they're excellent. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And then, then the model that I've used from this is when I kind of take off my nurse hat and put on my psychologist hat is the PERMA model, which has come out of positive psychology, which started evolving, oh, I guess like in the, in the late 1990s and early 2000s. So mm-hmm. the, the positive psychology movement basically has, uh, well, the, the old psychology model was, what is it, why does the human being break down so much? And what is wrong with human beings? It's all about kind of mental illness and um, why aren't human beings flourishing? And when they break down, how can we fix them? So all of the things about therapy. Um, Martin Seligman, who is a famous psychologist who was very much involved in that part of psychology, had some type of epiphany. And he realized in the mid-1990s that he wanted to dedicate the rest of his career to looking at the bright side of and the, the, the positive and the, the flourishing side of human behavior. So what makes people's lives successful? What, what adds, what creates a satisfaction in life? And that's where the term positive psychology comes from, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So the, so they've done research now on what are the, basically what are the elements of a flourishing life? And they found a, it's kind of a recipe or building block, so to speak. And I'm going to call it PERMA V. So the P, the first part of PERMA, stands for positive emotion. And it's how is it that we can bring more and more positive emotion into our life? Because um, positive emotion counteracts the, the, the given that negative things are going to happen in our lives. And if we can bring more positive emotion into our life, it opens up the possibilities in our mind and we become more creative, happier. There's just a whole kind of upward spiral that goes with maintaining a, a positive point of view. Right. The next one is E, which stands for engagement. And that has to do with, you've probably heard the, the term being in flow. So this is like, for example, when you watch a really talented basketball player like LeBron James um, dribbling down the court and he's just shooting free throws, free, you know, free shots, three-pointers. He's just hitting everything and running up and down. He's making magic and mm-hmm. he is in flow. Um, a great artist might do the same thing as they're as they're painting, or a a great musician. Also, you know. So, w- when is it? Engagement is about having these experiences that um, you're just deeply engaged in, and you lose a sense of time, and it, you really kind of merge into the moment and become mm-hmm. part of the action, and don't really think about it. You're just doing. R has to do no. Per, yeah, PERMA are. <laughs> the next one is relationships. And we all know that in all of our, that we are social beings. And to thrive, we really need to have very authentic, empowering, uh, meaningful relationships. And one point I really like to make in the book is that we need to create these types of relationships at work as well. M stands for meaning. And this is where we talk about our values and digging deep a little bit into what is important to us. Mm-hmm. Where do we really put our emphasis? 
what you know, what are the the hills, so to speak, we're willing to die on? What do we define ourselves by? These values, right? And then A has to do with achievement or accomplishment. And it doesn't mean you. Everybody has to get a PhD, or uh, you don't have to be the. Phew! The, thank you. The, <laughs> you don't have to get be the CNO or um, you know the, a hospital administrator. But the accomplishment or achievement has to do with having a growth perspective. That there's there's something inherently satisfying about wanting to accomplish something and then doing what it takes to get it, even if it's something like reorganizing your garage or um, the goal of perhaps speaking more kindly to your children. Right. Um, whatever it is that you set a goal for, and if you accomplish it, there's a sense of satisfaction that comes from that. So yeah. the A part of PERMA is really continuing to grow. Yeah, and some of those goals that we have are small, like you said, spending more time with your children, and some are, you know, getting that PhD or whatever. So I want to stop you for a second and did you add the V to the PERMA, or did someone else add the V? It was not added by me. Some, it's, it was added by Aha. consensus of the positive psychology community, so to speak, because the, oh, right, the, okay. the, the, the PERMA part of it is very much about our mental and cognitive processes, um, kind of the, the neck up, so to speak, which is very much a... Um, that's what psychologists do. <laughs> right. And you mentioned that in your book, right. that it's it's from the neck right. up, like what happened to the rest of the body. So exactly. V stands for? Vitality. Vitality. And what does that mean to you? Vitality is, is feeling healthy in your body, feeling, I mean, being grounded in your body, having a, a healthy body, having a healthy connection between your mind and your body. Uh, I talk a bit about mind-body connections um, in the book as well that I think are really, really important for nurses, that we we are exposed to so much vicarious trauma that we just kind of take in as in, in the just in the course of a day, and then we then we just kind of move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. We never really give ourselves a chance to process that. And so I think it's really important for nurses in particular to have these mind-body connections, whether it's, you know, Reiki, massage, um, meditation, you know, whatever it is that can connect the mind and the body so you can create some integration between those two things is really important at this day and age, I believe, for nurses in particular. That's wonderful. Yeah, we will have the PERMA-V outlined for everyone in the show notes at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 270. We're going to take a really quick break, Karen. When we come back, the first thing I want to talk about is these different types of superheroes. I think you know right. what I'm talking about uh-huh. from your book. Has to do with the colors red and green. And no, it doesn't mean red chili and green chili here in New Mexico. And then we're going to talk about values and dig a little bit more into the book and talk about the tumbleweed metaphor that you use in the book that I think is fascinating. So we will be right back with the second half of the Nurse Keith Show, episode 270. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. 
please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to NurseKeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. Hey, thanks for hanging out here at the Nurse Keith Show, and we are on episode 270. Remember, those all-important show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 270. We are here with Karen Wade, author, nurse, and organizational psychologist, and just all-around awesome person. And before the break, Karen, we were talking about PERMA-V, this concept or framework from positive psychology that I think is awesome and I'm going to print and hang on the wall of my office and we were talking about your book should I leave nursing seven steps to career clarity and one thing I want to mention to a person out there who's listening who's really curious you know the book isn't really about making you consider leaving nursing it's asking the question not necessarily rhetorical, should I leave nursing? And Karen, you do a wonderful job in the book of leading people through exercises, like having statements that people can address on a scale of one to 10, nurses loving scales of one to 10, of course, about things like, I feel satisfied with the job I have now, or I enjoy the experience of working with my coworkers, or I feel supported in my workplace. And then you also talk about these different qualities and values like character and strength and virtue and and the values that form your commitment to your own health. There's these wonderful things you talk about, including the emotions involved in stress at work, fear, anger, sadness, triggers, you know, all these sorts of things, shame that come up throughout your day at work. However, the first thing I really want to talk about, as I teased before the break, is this concept of superheroes. And it involves the colors red and green, and it does actually involve a cape. So do you run around wearing a cape, or is this more of a metaphor? (laughs) It's definitely a metaphor. I I haven't worn my cape for a while at work. (laughs) Oh, darn. I want to see a picture of you with a cape. Okay, so let's start with the red cape, because your book, I believe, starts with the red cape. So what in positive psychology, what is someone who runs around wearing a red cape doing in their life or their work? 
Well, the red cape is really the cape of the the superhero hero warrior, the one who is um, fighting disease, um, trying to find the the answer to poverty, um, trying to cure all kinds of ills in the world, trying to fight you know racial injustice, and trying to find ways of bringing different people together. It's it's the people who are wearing the red superhero cape are the ones who are really focused on the the problems in life and society. So they're fighting the good fight, like the big fight. The big fights, right? yes. Yeah. And I mean any nurse who goes to work is 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 involved in in fighting that big fight. You're 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 fighting not only the disease that your patients might be having, but you're also fighting a system that is very, um, very uncooperative at times and put, puts up all kinds as you're trying to fight for your patient. It's putting up obstacles and barriers and difficulties for you to try and get your job done. So on, on multiple levels, uh, nurses are wearing that red cape and fighting as they go to work every day. Okay. So, you know, we all know what the things are that stand on our way when we're trying to get our work done in a good way at work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bullying nurse patient ratios, the whole thing, you know, we could Uh list a huge, a huge enumerations of the things that can make our day go south. Now, what about the green cape? What does the green cape mean in positive psychology? The green cape, you might want to think of that as the, the, the person who is flying around in a, so in, in a, in a way they're, they're kind of planting seeds of happiness, um, work in the area of, of harmony, um, bringing art and beauty, music, culture into society. Um, it's the it's the thi- it's basically the positive emotion part of part of psychology. Uh, the the things that bring happiness and joy, fulfillment, peace, those types of things. Um, so th- th- it has been interesting to ask people at different times that they would rather wear a red cape or a green cape. And though most of us, and, and in reality, all of us have to wear both capes. You know, that was my next question. Are there times when we wear both, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And does that happen in like, can, can you actually say be a nurse on the floor and actually um, embody the red and green at the same time? Is that possible? I think it is. I, I think people have to have um, a real commitment to that. And, and have, I mean, most of us are just as we're, we're just trying to get through the shift, right? And we're, I see. you know, we're fighting for we're fighting to get if we're fighting for our patients. We're fighting to get through the shift. Um, but I think we can, with a certain conscientiousness and a consciousness of taking moments for for the green, making sure that we kind of maybe might want to think of having a reversible cape and one side's green and one side's red. <laughs> hey, that's a really good one. I love that. Here, the inside of my cape is green, right. the outside is red, and then I'll flip it around. And, you know, I want to tell you something really funny. Have you ever been to New Mexico? I have. Yeah. Um, have you ever had red, green, red or green chili when you go in a restaurant here? Uh, I know I've had red and green chili at different times, but I, not in the New Mexico way. So tell me more about that. Yeah. <laughs> so when you go in a restaurant in New Mexico and you order, let's say, a burrito, they'll say, would you like red, green, or Christmas? Which means, would you like your burrito smothered in green chili or smothered in really hot red chili? Or do you want Christmas, which means the red and green together? So I was thinking, okay, so 
Maybe a nurse needs to wear a Christmas cape so that she or he can actually embody the red and green at the same time. Right. So anyway, that's like a little New Mexico thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can picture times when, you know, in my work, for sure, you're wearing the red cape. I'm wearing the red cape and I'm putting out fires mm-hmm. or helping people. You know, there's all kinds of, you know, the the fits hitting the shan in a way, you know, and you have to just dive right in and, mm-hmm. you know, and you're up to your ankles and muck and gore or stress or whatever. But then I can actually think of people I've worked with in the past who it felt like they wore their green cape a lot. Like they were the ones who brought chocolate to work and they're the ones who would skip down the hall singing, you know, to cheer everybody Mm -hmm. up or, or walk around the nurse's station, massaging people's shoulders at a particular point during the day when everyone seems stressed. So Mm -hmm. I guess you can embody the greenness at any time if you choose to, and you have a moment to bring a little joy or magic to the world, right? Oh, absolutely. And I, I've, I've met people like that too. I'm not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Admittedly, I mean, just my, de- okay. my default. True confessions. All right. <laughs> no, I, what I'm saying is that my default is to wear the red and to be really intense about it. Um, yes. And so I'm, I'm the per- and I, I work, you know, really hard. So I, I'm one of the people who has to consciously remember about the green cape and to be to kind of get out of my tunnel vision and to to reach out to my colleagues to notice that so and so looks kind of stressed and what can I do to help or um, to inject a moment of of levity into a a time when you know everyone wants to just cry (laughs) Um, I see so yeah I think that there are some people who are more who are wired more naturally that way in their personality and there's other people who uh, have to work more more at it So in terms of this red and green cape, really briefly, because we are starting to wind down, but what is, what is a wounded warrior? Because you said the red cape is the cape of the warrior. So what's a wounded warrior? Well, I came up with that. I mean, that concept is, is applied basically to our soldiers, right? Who've been away at war and they come back with wounds. Yes. But what I realized as I was doing some of the research for this book, and I was reaching out to nurses on Facebook groups, and I was at, I was very stunned when I saw the the high percentage of nurses who felt like their job was really interfering with their with their health. And so I asked people to comment. I said, you know, I just kind of put it out there. I said, what is it that you're dealing with that's um, just so hard for you to? about your health. And I mean, just what Mm -hmm. came out was just, oh, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's the the brand new nurse who had never taken anxiety medicine before, but she has to take anxiety medicine to get through a shift. Um, There's people who've had cancer treatment, but they don't seem to be able to fully get well because the job is so stressful and they work so many hours. Um, Of course, there's the, the, the back problems, there's the mm-hmm. the diabetes that gets worse because they're working night shifts. I mean, there was just, it was just unbelievable oh, yeah. unloading. And what I you know what I realized is that so many of us go to our our jobs as nurses wounded from these from both you know our health issues as well as as we've I've talked about the vicarious trauma that we just carry within us. And so I talk about the the wounded warrior in that. In other contexts, for example, among soldiers on the battlefield, they never leave anyone behind. They 
if someone's wounded, they will pick them up and carry them off the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And I think that more and more we have to have that realization about the nurses that we work with, that we're all struggling with something. And we need to, especially in light of all the bullying and incivility that's going on now, we need to really be aware that each of us is a wounded warrior and we need to be, I mean, I just like to create the parallels between the soldier's experience and the nurse's experience that we need to be really be there for each other and be building each other up, carrying each other off the battlefield or um, metaphorically, of course, but, but just that people feel really supported and they know that we have each other's backs and we're at work. Absolutely right. And we don't want nurses carrying each other down the hall because we have enough back issues as it is. (laughs) is So call the lift team or something. But yeah, but the, the, uh, I guess the basic point here is that we don't leave the wounded ones behind that. If a new nurse is struggling, you Uh don't tease her or haze her or give her a hard time. You say, Hey, can I give you a helping hand? Or if the, another nurse is struggling with this new darn EMR and they can't quite get there, you say, Hey, can I sit with you for an hour after work and kind of go through the new EMR with you and help you to decrease your stress? So you understand it a little better. There's lots and lots of ways that you can make very, very small gestures to uh-huh. your coworkers and very uh-huh. large gestures to your coworkers, like taking your other coworker out for dinner and saying, hey, what's going on? You know, let's have a really deep conversation here. So there's lots of different ways to to swoop in in your green cape and and, right. and do something positive for someone. So You know, the book goes through, like you said, all these exercises, a lot of self-assessment. And as a career coach, I'm big into self-assessment. That's Uh what a lot of my clients do. And then we talk about the results of those self-assessments. So I poured through your book this weekend and took so many notes and just kept copying and pasting, copying, pasting, Uh because there was just so much for me to to root through. And it's going to take me a while to digest it all, honestly. But I guess the point is here... What's the major takeaway for a nurse out there who reads your book, Should I Leave Nursing? Seven Steps to Career Clarity. What is the takeaway? Like, what do you feel she will get from this book? No matter where she is in her nursing journey, if she reads this book, she can immediately start to feel better about what she's doing. She'll have some practical tools about how to um, increase the amount of positive emotion she's having during a shift or during a day. Um, She'll be able to, and I I think this is one of the most revolutionary things, the the chapter I put on Hmm. where I discuss love at work and how we can really create moments of um, love in the scientific um, experience of love, so to speak, between you and colleagues and how to how to diffuse some of those negative feelings and how to, I have a story in there, for example, about how I was able to, there was a nurse that I didn't like at all mm-hmm. that I was now kind of forced to work with. And it's a story of how I learned to love her, basically. And um, I, I think that that's what I want most for people is to have be able to have the experience of of creating more positive emotion for themselves and then also how to build more bridges between themselves and their colleagues so that they can have really a team that is really connected that is really supporting each other and where you really do feel loved when you're at work and so there so then therefore you can go out and you can go out and serve our yeah. our our patients 
And so I'm thinking that probably my, my prediction is that most nurses don't want to leave nursing. And this book will give you some inspiration about how to um, just make some adjustments in your mind and learn some new techniques that will bring more joy to your work and more of a sense of being reconnected with your values and your passion. And then there's going to be a few nurses for whom it really is time for them to to move on and to do something else. And at the end of the book, you'll know if you if you should stay in nursing and just do something else or just make some adjustments or maybe go back to school. And then there's going to be some who will be really clear that it's really time for me to take this experience, but take it now into another to another profession, another skill set. Right. And, you know, I want to point out to listeners that, you know, you're a nurse, you're an organizational psychologist, you have your PhD from Claremont Graduate University. You've been around the block. You work with large organizations. You've you've traveled the world and we're going to get to more travel in a second. And I just want to bring up, you know, you've been through the school of hard knocks yourself. Like you're not coming from a place, like I could just hear someone listening saying, oh, well, Karen's probably had like an awesome life and everything's been perfect. And it's easy for her to talk about positive psychology because, you know, she's had a really wonderful life. And no doubt you've had a good life. I mean, you live in California in a cozy little beach town. You, you love traveling and dancing and all the things that you love to do, like going to Baja, California in the winter, seeing your grandchildren. But, you know, your son died by suicide at the age of 24 in 2011, having, as you say, lost his battle with bipolar disorder. And, you know... That is part of the school of hard knocks. Losing a child, I don't think, I can't think of anything more difficult than losing a child. So how has that informed, if you don't mind, Mm -hmm. how has that informed how you view this notion of like creating your best life? Having having suffered such an incredible Mm -hmm. loss eight years ago, nine years ago. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was in October of 2011. Um, Well, I, I kind of explain in the book um, that as I was in my grief process, that I became very fascinated with, became very fascinated and kind of an observer of my own emotion. Mm-hmm. And I was really fascinated with the ability to be both, to have both a profound experience of sadness as well as a profound experience of love at the same time, especially in the ed- immediate aftermath of his death. And I began to just look at the whole experience of having blended emotion, a blended emotion. Like I think I said, like blue and yellow makes green. It's like, what does sad, what does sadness and love, what is that emotion? Hmm. And I, so I began to explore my emotions on a different level as I was going through my, my grieving process. And it was in that process that basically positive psychology came back into my awareness and I started reading about positive, uh, you know, the, the power of positive emotion. I began to be able to see that I could have that every, even though things were very sad and, and very dark during that period of my life, that I, as I became aware that positive emotion existed as well, um, that there were moments of um, kindness, there were moments of compassion, there were moments of um, love and intimacy. Um, there were even little sprinkles of joy every 
once in a while, mm. and I just began to pay attention to those. You know, the the neg- the, the the grieving part, the sad part, had ran its own course, and it did its job of of helping me to heal and to relate to my son now in a in a in a different way. But along what what I think if if I had learned this earlier, that I could really tap into not be overwhelmed by the all the all the sadness, but to really be open and aware of the the little points of light that would that would shoot through the darkness every once in a while, that I probably would have maybe even recovered a bit faster than I did. Um, so no, it was definitely this I have never been kind of a, a Pollyanna person. There are people who really annoy me because they just seem to Sometimes it seems to me maybe a, a a false positivity that seems like not really authentic. I understand that concept, yeah, for sure. Right, but that the gift of positive emotion is what it can do for our. There, there's a part in the book about the broaden and build theory of of positive emotion, where the more positive that we can keep our awareness, the more open we are to creative ideas the more open we are to other people, um, the more open we are to learning new things, the more curious and creative we can be. So the more that, I mean, some people are born with, you know, kind of an intense optimism. I've had to learn mine Mm -hmm. (laughs) and had to develop that skill of of seeing, um, being able to, if I find I'm going down a dark path, of, of being able to really say, okay, it's in my better purpose it's in my it's in my best interest i guess what i'm trying to say to try and turn this around and to do whatever i need to do to shift that mindset so i'll go for a walk on the beach um i enjoy, i love watching sunsets um i will go dancing mm-hmm. i'll do whatever i need to do to take care of that that emotional balance so that i i'm experiencing more positive than negative emotion i see Right. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that vulnerable part of your life. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. And you're very vulnerable about it in the book. And, you know, you have said that you embody in some ways the metaphor of the tumbleweed. And uh, we have many of those out here in New Mexico. And before we started recording, I told you that the largest one I've ever seen in New Mexico was the size of a Volkswagen. It was mm-hmm. going across the street. Okay. Everyone stopped to watch because it was so fascinating. It was so enormous. <laughs> and since moving here, you know, I always thought tumbleweeds were part of the American West. Like I thought everyone thinks they're part of the American West, but they actually came from the steppes of Russia and came over in boats back in the 17th or 18th century. Really? And they're now they're <laughs> now in like 25 states or 30 states of the United States. So they're actually this pernicious weed that they're very good at spreading their seed because they tumble and as they tumble, all the <laughs> seeds go everywhere. So you are a tumbleweed and you didn't come from the Russian steppes. Oh, well, my family did, but um, you are actually about to embark on an incredible adventure and it's called Remote Year. You sent me the website mm-hmm. for the organization and we don't have much time left, but what is Remote Year? Remote Year is an opportunity for people who are who don't have to work, who are still working, but they don't have to go to a particular office or particular geographic location. They're pretty much uh, digital workers, people who work by computer on the internet, and they can work from anywhere. I see. 
so this remote year company has basically capitalized on that and um, has created year-long experiences where, for example, I'm going to be going to 12 different countries in 12 months. And um, basically in each country, I'll be able to, with the group of 25 or so who will be with me, we'll be having a co-working space where we can each go to the office and do whatever work we need to do. Um, We'll be uh, living in Airbnbs. We'll be going on outside adventures. um, And then we'll be traveling together to the next country and kind of starting that over all over again, learning, you know, learning about the culture, learning about the beautiful scenery, learning about the beautiful people. Do you have a really, really large suitcase I can fit in? (laughs) Well, you know, they told us they told that you could fit in. Is that what you're saying? Yes, please. <laughs> it's not that big. They told me I should only work pack for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And we just keep we just keep washing our clothes over and over. So I'm sorry, Keith. Darn I don't it. have a big enough suitcase for you. <laughs> Man, well, I'm a digital entrepreneur, so maybe one of someday in my life I'll do this. this is but true. You're going to be in a country a month for 12 months, and Correct. I believe that if people want to sign up. For updates from the world tour, which I'm going to do forthwith, it's mm-hmm. world tour at shouldileavenursing.com. So that's mm-hmm. world tour at shouldileavenursing.com. Email Karen there and you can get dispatches from her from this incredible year. And Karen, I'm going to be following you as you travel the world, um, trying not to be too green with envy, but it sounds really incredible. And Speaking of should I leave nursing, if someone wants to connect with you, they can go to shouldileavenursing.com. And what can they do at the website when they go there? What happens when they go to the website? Sure. At shouldileavenursing.com, there is a place where you can order a free book. Um, I mean, if you buy it on Amazon, I think it's like $9.99, but you can get a free book from me if you give me your email address. Um, You can also sign up for a, I offer a free one hour career strategy session for people who want to have that breakthrough in their career. It's probably pretty similar to what you do, Keith. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then also, if you want to write to me at, well, you can you can email me at worldtour at uh, shouldileavenursing.com. And then you can also you can also address me, Dr. Karen, at shouldileavenursing.com if you just want to write to me an email. Great. So there's several things you can do there. Great. And if you are listening and you're a digital entrepreneur, go to remoteyear.com. I'll have a link on in the show notes and you can read about this amazing experience that maybe we'll all go on someday. So Karen, you're about to embark on something incredible and I hope the book is an incredible success and I'll do my best to support it. And I hope people do sign up for that one hour career strategy session with you and people really should take advantage of that. And do you offer coaching beyond that or is it really just that one hour for people to have that breakthrough experience? Um, it's it's a one hour to determine uh, to get people help people get clear about what the decision is that they're dealing with, and then and then also a sense of a mutual uh, assessment regarding if if we are a good match to work together towards that end. Cool. So okay. yeah, so Great. there is a, a coaching package afterwards. Great. Yes. Okay. So please go to shouldileavenursing.com. Check out the the travel that. 
Karen will be doing, sign up for her newsletter, and also make sure to sign up for the free book or buy it on Amazon. All those links will be in show notes. Uh-huh. So Karen, Wade, right. thank you so much. And I can't wait to follow you throughout this journey. And I hope you'll be on social media sharing with us along the way. I will. And I'm going to be, I want to make sure I say that I'm going to be interviewing nurses along the way too, so that we can find out what their dream careers are like, what they have done with their careers when they've gotten to stuck places, um, how they, how they have found ways to flourish in their countries and their cultures and their careers. Awesome. Thank you so much, Karen. You are just amazing. And I wish you so much wonderful adventure. Well, thank you, Keith. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Sure. And pack both your capes. Okay. I will. Okay. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nurse Keith Show. Remember, those show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 270. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. I hope you have your red and green capes at the ready. And I encourage you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your personal and professional satisfaction. And remember, go to nursekeith.com, mention the show, and receive 10% off your first coaching package with me. And did you know There are job listings and resources at nursekeith.com. That's right. Head over there and you can find jobs from Reload, Trusted Health, ZipRecruiter, Incredible Health, as well as plenty of other resources to keep you busy for several hours at least. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting and Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. I'm grateful to Rob and Mark for keeping these wheels turning in the right direction. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful red and green Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Karen Wade bidding you adieu from Ventura, California. Beautiful Ventura, California for a little while longer before she goes off on her incredible red and green cape trip around the world. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, everyone. And we will catch you on the flip side.